Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is. Welcome to your Monday edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Bertitas. We're back with another week of Flyers conversation. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you could do me a favor, I would really appreciate it. Here's the ask. Leave us a rating and review, a five-star rating and review, and we would greatly appreciate it. We appreciate everybody that has taken the time to listen to this podcast all season, now in the offseason with so many questions to be answered. And we're going to look at the Flyers D. We're going to grade them out from last year and look ahead. Who's going to be here? Who may not be here? Who needs to bounce back? Who could benefit most from having uh, an addition to the roster? Uh, For example, a top-pairing right shot, right D, whether that would be a guy like Seth Jones or Dougie Hamilton, and that would obviously benefit a guy like Ivan Provorov. Let's get into all of it right now from HockeyBuzz.com, NHL.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. It is Bill Meltzer, and he joins us now. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well, hanging in. How about yourself? Good birthday uh, with the wife out in Vegas. We had a, we had a fabulous time. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I, so, I bet that's cool. Come you know, considering what we've all been through to to go like celebrate a birthday in normal fashion and in Vegas. Nice work. Oh, and definitely. And also, was able to catch you know on on the TV screens there. They had the uh, the Golden Knights series. They had the other the other games going on too. Some of it was sports betting. Some of it was you know people watching to watch. But it was you know it's. it's you know the I guess the only uh, the only benefit to your team not being in the playoffs is when you can just watch the game for the game's sake without a, without a particular rooting interest. So you can, you know, enjoy the game for the quality of it. I mean, it's just been some amazing hockey being played. So that's, uh, you know, that was, that was, that was pretty cool to take that in and, and to see, you know, I don't know, just, just to see people watching hockey, you know? And, and, and look, that series was incredible. I mean, it was a, a testament to how great the game is and the skill that's on display, you know, Colorado comes out in that series and they, they really, take a stranglehold early, you know, winning the first two games, but then they don't get another one the rest of the way. A guy like Nathan McKinnon actually went cold for what, didn't have a point in three games, eventually did in the fourth one. But, I mean, what a series and what a a ton of talent. But, again, a guy guy with the talent of McKinnon, a Hart Trophy finalist this year, is on the sideline after two rounds. Absolutely. It it speaks to how important it is to have other lines step up because – any line, any line ever, you know, the French Connection line, the LCV line, you know, the uh, McKinnon line now, um, even Sidney Crosby's line at times, you know, they're the going to be on line, the Bergeron line, and they, they can be contained, you know, maybe not totally shut down, or maybe they can be for a number of games held off the board. You need, you know, it's why it really is, you know, the hardest trophy in sports to win, and you need different players stepping up at different times. So it's, uh, you know, it just, it just goes to show, too, that, um, you know, here, here's Montreal, a, a team that, um, you know, listen, if you compare regular season records, had one more point than the Flyers, and they were underdogs in the first series, underdogs in the second series, you know, and, and they outplayed. I mean, they deserved, they deserved to win, especially that Winnipeg series. They deserved that sweep of that series. It's all, it's all in, you know, when you peak and how the goaltending is and all those things. You know, they, the playoffs really are a, a whole different – whole different animal. Yeah, we've kind of talked about that over the last couple of weeks here uh, on on the podcast. You and I have talked about it as well. We talk about it offline, not on the podcast, about building team building and how you build a roster in the NHL now. Like, you can build this roster that's great in the regular season and it's just a wagon and just destroys everybody and you outscore people 7-5 to five in a regular season. Then you get to the playoffs and you're just bounced in a round like Toronto. I mean, they were a little pro- improved this year defensively, but I, I – Look, I, I think when you're building a team now, you, if you want to have the ultimate success, you got to think about what 
that team is capable of in a playoff situation, and you need size. Look at these four teams. You see the size of their defenses, Bill? Yeah. That's Holy. A, that, that is a definitely a big piece of it. It's that size that size slash mobility combination. That, that's the, heaviness. The, uh, the gold standard today. Yeah. The heavy, the heavy, well, heaviness on the puck. Yep. You know, get, getting in the four check, being able to protect the puck, and being able to, you know, be able to take away the inside in, in, in the defensive zone just because – it is a fight for every inch of space out there. So it's, um, you know, it, re- it really comes invaluable. And, of course, the speed part being, okay, you get you get the other side to turn it over. How fast are you in transition? How fast are your guys getting back in the back check, too, if you lose the puck? I, I mean, that's that's the gold standard is the guys that have both the size and the mobility to, uh, you know, to compete. And also, you know, I mean, it's, um, you know, and we, we've, said depth before but i mean there's just so there's just so many pieces of the puzzle and being able to win in the playoffs and it's so much you know you're so you're so scouted to the nth degree and you know every every matchup becomes that much more important although although there is line matching and whatnot in the regular season it's not to the same degree that there is in the postseason where you know where every time a certain line comes out they're gonna they're gonna see a certain matchup i mean it's uh you know, it's that it's that's that whole chess match of the playoffs. It's just you know, it's just you don't quite you don't quite get that in the regular season. Yeah, and and the line matchup goes so so deep as to hey, we're going to take specifically this regroup pass away, or we're going to do this because right. you have so much data at that point. You're going okay. Our job is to limit all of their strengths and make them beat us with their weaknesses. And if they do, I go okay. But if I if I Usually, if that's the case, and we can execute on our strengths, and we get some some depth, you know, contributions, then we're going to come out on top. That's what Vegas did, and uh, I got to give stick taps to to Pete DeBoer because he's done a fabulous job with that group, uh, considering the situation they were in, and uh, you know has them now going on to a conference final again. I know people are resentful of Vegas, and I get why, um, because of the situation that they were handed, and um, you know Seattle's in a in a very interesting situation. Bill, they may even be in a better situation than Vegas was. Because yeah, general managers may have learned, but it, with the pandemic and the flat cap, boy, that is you can weaponize that cap space. Oh, no question. There, there's a lot, a lot more teams now than at the time of the last expansion draft that just need cap space more than more than anything else. You know, um, you know, uh, and we'll, we'll probably get into this, but just just teams like uh, you know Colorado. You know, they have all the ability in the world they have an unbelievable roster but they finished the year with about four hundred thousand in cap space well now mccarr is a restricted free agent they have to resign him Grubauer. um you know and and landis is an unrestricted free agent you know so you those two are no-brainers to resign if you know if you can but what does that leave what else does that leave you you know i mean that that they're going they're going to need some cap relief this off season uh, and McKinnon's many of on a team friendly deal right now yeah exactly mm. so uh yeah i mean it, yeah, where do you go in net i mean grubauer had a great season but he really faltered in in some of those final games there i mean the one goal he's looking in the corner and all of a sudden he gets beat on a flopper from the point i was stunned you know you know it's interesting too bill because while the game has changed so much over the last 15 20 years and the speed and skill is unparalleled to, to past generations and fighting is so limited now and everything where well, the playoffs are a throwback to what hockey's always been though it really is that it's about every inch of that 200 by 85 and guys are just willing to do anything to to you know own that ice and take it away from their opponents crazy absolutely you know and those uh you know i mean those those 
ugly goals suddenly become beautiful in the playoffs. How, how many, you know, taking the goalie's eyes away and, you know, the, I mean, the deflections and every, you know, I, I know, you know, we've seen goals in the playoffs that uh, and you see regular season too, but, you know, I know some people malign how important faceoffs are, but suddenly that one faceoff you win or lose in the offense or defensive zone that, that ends up in the net because it deflects off of somebody in front, all of a sudden that one win or loss, one or lost faceoff can take on all the importance of the game. After all the ones that are, are not meaningful to the game, I mean, it, it, every little detail is, uh, you know, so so critical because any little detail can can swing a game. And yes, that happens in the regular season. But it just becomes magnified by by ten, and then by a hundred once you get to the Stanley Cup Finals. No doubt about that. You're absolutely right, um, Bill. T- to that extent, um, th- I was uh, I-, I was pretty active on Twitter on uh, Sunday for a brief period of time before my kayak trip. But and, and I had heard from a guy that said, you know, and there's a notion, and, and I don't think that there's any player on this team that you just go, oh my God, forget it. Uh, I can't. I hang up the phone as soon as you ask about him because of the situation and the flat cap and. You have to look at, you know, the future cap and how it should be laid out and all of that. So, uh, you know, this notion and, you know, Sean Couturier is a name going into the final year of his deal. And so is Claude Giroux. But I had a guy message me on, on Twitter and say that, you know, when it comes to Giroux, he, he just hasn't been a winner. He's got skill uh, and he just hasn't been able to, to take the team anywhere. He's not even that great of a player. Uh, he wouldn't be a top player on a top-level team. The guy said, Todd Pratt, he said, final year of his deal, maybe this team can finally tear it down and build once that cancer spot is gone. I hate when people do use that, by the way. He said, yes, Jason, I understand he's an extremely talented player, but he's a losing player and a losing captain. You can't argue with what has happened. Now, so my first, the first guy I went to was Ryan O'Reilly. And I said, Ryan O'Reilly in Colorado and then in Buffalo was a losing player because he was on teams that lost. And until he wasn't, right? And then he goes to St. Louis. He had great D. They got goaltending. They had good coaching. I talked to Chief after they won the cup. A little bit of luck, too. That's what it takes. Yeah. So I told him to stop blaming an individual for playing on a team that had glaring deficiencies over the last eight seasons. But, I mean, this whole thing is I, – I, I just don't understand the mindset, Bill. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Well, well first of all, to, to accept this guy's premise – then you have to say, okay, well, if Giroux's a losing player, he was never he was never a player who delivered in big game situations in the playoffs. Well, go, you know, you, you can start at the beginning of his career. Start at 2010. The, you know, 2010 was his coming out party as a, a, you know, as an impact NHL player. He sure as hell was a force of the finals against Chicago. He scored, a, not, and not just not just even the overtime goal that he scored. I mean, he was he was over a point per game in the, in the Stanley Cup finals. How about the shift he where he just ragged the puck? Yeah, oh, yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, 2011, good, good, solid playoff run. 2012, you know, I mean, he was he was unbelievable. He he was the reason, the number one reason, the Flyers won that series against Pittsburgh when, when the whole world was giving Pittsburgh the cup going into the playoffs, right? Uh, 2014, who was the Flyers' best player in that series? That seven game loss to the Rangers, that was Claude Giroux. If it, if it wasn't Steve Mason, it was um, it was Claude yeah. Giroux. So you know, so that that's a whole lot of early playoff success and, and you know in one of in one of which runs he was he was the captain now 2016 he was he was injured he, he needed you know postseason double core yeah. Yeah, double, double core muscle surgery and he did not play well in that series but i mean you know that that okay you give him you give him a pass on that one i think i think 20 uh 2018 against pittsburgh was not his best series in 2020 
But that's going to happen. Players are going to have some series where they're really good and some series where they're not so good. Um, to say that he hasn't been a top player, well, he's been a Hart Trophy finalist one year. And in 2018, it was, a, it was a crime that he wasn't a finalist that year. Uh, he even could have won it that year. So, you know, he's played at a very high level for a very long time. And the Flyers' main issues have never – it's never been Giroux. There have been other – there have been other – things going on whether it's been the goaltending the defense the whatever you know maybe maybe you can point to a game here or here or there where you needed more from Giroux in, in that particular game or those those couple of games but I think I think oh oh his overall body of work in the playoffs has been been fine you know it, it, maybe the last few haven't been great I, I just you know I just I don't buy into that and, and as you said also with like with Ryan O'Reilly that's a great example I'll give you another Flyers example Keith Primo always had a reputation as a playoff underachiever, whether it was in Detroit or in Philly. And he did have the five overtime goal, but even heading into, even apart from the five overtime goal, heading into 2004, he was known as the guy who just disappeared in the playoffs. All of a sudden, in 2004, for whatever reason, everything came together. And, you know, uh, if the Flyers would have gotten one more win and gotten in the Stanley Cup finals, at that point, he, you know, at that point, he's a, uh, Conn Smythe Trophy candidate heading in, heading into the final series, and who knows what would have happened in the finals. All it takes is that big one run. You know, if, if a player can, if a player can deliver for you down the stretch, and he's done it in certain other playoff years, it's just a question of, you know, it's just a question of timing. It's not a question of talent, ability, or anything else. Um, you know, you you put the right, again. I mean, I, I think Giroux, in, in the right circumstances, the right situation, the right team, whatever, Giroux could have. A, another big playoff run in them and then nobody's talking about it. So I, I don't really buy into too much of that. Yeah. It's, it's like the never ending battle, right? He, for some reason he has become this lightning rod figure. And I understand, you know, I partially get it because the team has not had playoff success. And, you know, uh, you know, for years they were always in that mix pre salary cap. And, you know, the league was also a smaller league back then. You're going to have 32 teams. It's, it's very difficult and they've gotten to a lot of finals, but they haven't won it since the 70s. So I understand people's frustration. I really do. And they, and I understand that notion that the Flyers, you know, anytime there was a big free agent out there, their name was attached and they were going all in. And, you know, th that may have gotten them closer on a few occasions. It didn't get them over the top. But uh, I, I think he's just a guy that has done everything that he could do for the most part. I mean, when you're third in the league over a decade in points and you haven't had you know, an Alexander Ovechkin on your wing or even a Vlad Tarasenko on your right. wing, you know, to distribute the puck to, to have the numbers he has is astounding. So you, you, everybody's a loser until they're not, okay? Then Connor McDavid's a loser. Nathan McKinnon's a loser. Austin Matthews, loser. Uh, yeah. Mitch Marner, they're all, they're all losers until Howard Chuck was a loser because he didn't ever want a cop. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or Pat LaFontaine. And Eric Lindros, I guess, was a loser too, right? You can't well, blame I mean, an individual absolutely. player for a team failure. And it's, you know, it, it's it's also not like, you know, it's not like in the last 54 years that uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have, have never had a team capable of winning the Cup. You know, they, they haven't been to the final since they won in 67, since the last year of a six-team NHL. They've had some really good teams along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes it takes a dose of luck as well as good design. It, it takes some luck, the, the right break, the right bounce, the right, you know, an overtime game or two going your way the, in, a, in a seven game series that, you know, just one bounce of the puck can, can mean all the difference. I mean, the you know, you hope he paddle save. 
Yeah. Total it, luck. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. And it's just, you know, if you, if you can't live with the uncertainty, it really hockey isn't your sport. There's, there's just, there's just, there's just a lot that's, that's left to, uh, you know, the element of chance. And because, because a lot of the games and a lot of the series are, are really, really close. Only one team is going to win every year. And every organization, I've said this before, every organization in the NHL that's been around for some time has been through long, long, long cup droughts. It's in decades, you know, now, you know, maybe of course many have won more recently than others. But if you look at, you look at the, the broad body of work, like the, you know, the New York Rangers, they did win the cup in 94. But if you look at the bigger picture, you go back to 1940, so that's what 82 years now. One cup in 82 cup. years. Yeah. So it's just it's just how it goes. It's just the nature of the beast. Yep. It, it's not. It's the hardest trophy in sports to win for a reason. And I mean, you see teams, and you mentioned the 04 Lightning team. They they went on to beat Calgary uh, in that series, and and they won it last year. And you, you see teams like like the Islanders. I mean, they won four straight, 80 to 84. And then you know this is they haven't gotten back to the final since. It's it's not easy and it's it's a difficult league to win in. Uh, let's get to our defense and um, let, let's go through these guys, the the core defensive guys, kind of grade them from last year, Bill, and then prognosticate them going forward. And maybe not all of these guys are here, uh, but let's start let's start right at the top uh, with Ivan Provorov. Now Ivan Provorov this past season for the Flyers, uh, he was leaned on quite heavily again played every game because that's what Ivan Provorov does and you know the minutes that he eats up on the ice bill all said and done uh, he's been a workhorse for this team but without that partner next to him that guy that he had in Matt Niskanen and he had you know he had a revolving door of guys playing with him all season whether it was Justin Braun at points Shane Goss despair Eric Gustafson at one point uh, we saw Sanheim, we saw Myers, we saw Haig, we saw them all. We saw everybody th- that they basically could put in, in that combination. 56 games, 7 goals, 19 assists, 26 points, and a plus 4 on the year, averaging a second under 25 minutes a night. Uh, how do you kind of grade out his season? I, I don't think he had the same game in, game out, shift in, shift out consistency on both sides of the puck that he had the previous season. Um, you know, on an individual basis, irrespective of, of his partners. Um, the partner issue is definitely a significant one. Um, you know, when you call it a disappointing year, is it disappointing relative to most defensemen in the NHL or is it disappointing relative to the expectations that, that were on Ivan, right? I, I think that relative to expectations, it was uh, not the year he would have liked to have had. Uh, I, I think on the whole, he's he's the still the least of the Flyers' issues on on D. Um, you know, uh, I, I there's there's certain things you'd like to see a little bit better. You know, going back on pucks, getting them out cleanly sometimes. You know, uh, he he did have a pretty. You know, although he handles the puck a lot, and guys who handle the puck a lot are going to turn more pucks over. I think he had I think he had some more turnovers than, you know, than he maybe should have had. Um, and I think also some of his defensive play, like boxing guys out around the net. There were times where, you know, those were plays he was making a season before that he wasn't making this year. So I don't think he had a great year. Um, is there a better or more important defenseman on, on the Flyers? No, there's not. He still is young, entering the prime of his career. There's every reason to think he can, you know, play better than he had this year. And in terms of offensive production, I know people go back and forth about him whether he's a power play one defenseman or not, and maybe he's not. 
but I, I you know he certainly is an all situation guy at least a power play two guy and you know plays the top of your penalty killing rotation so you know I, I he wasn't uh you know did he have a, a Mark Howe kind of season because Mark Howe was always the gold standard no you know did he have his best season in his own regards no but uh you know Provorov, Provorov had an okay season but I, I you know he certainly is capable of better so what grade would you give him? I mean, I got I would go maybe like a C plus because the variance in partner is something that's very difficult. And yeah. we, we talked about this. I think it was Mike Yo I talked about it with, where in this league, like you have to have that chemistry. It's a lot like an offensive line. You got to work in concert with your partner because if you're with a different guy and you go, okay, where is he when I'm, you know, circling at the, below my circle? Am I dropping it behind the net or is he moving up? Where was he at? If I have to think about that, now I'm dead, right? So – you know, you got to consider all that. I give him a C plus on the year um, because of of that part of the equation. But you're right. He does. I don't know if his sticks too long. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the fumbles of the puck. I, I don't know. Maybe want to look at that. But um, where would you go for a letter grade for him? Uh, I would go in the I would go in the C range. You know, uh, maybe an average year for him. If, if you go C plus, it's just because he, he never misses a game. He plays all game situations yeah. I and mean, all those things. And you need. You know, and didn't have a lot of help around him either. So he probably put a little bit more pressure on him. So, but I'd say C, C plus range. I think we're in the same ballpark. Yeah, I, I just can't go. I'm not going to go above a C for anybody. Yeah. Not when you give up the amount of goals that they gave up. No, I agree. That's just, that's just part of the equation. All right, let's move on to to our next. I mean, this is the number one need. I know you put out a poll on Sunday asking for Flyer fans and the top need, and and the winner of your poll was you know right D one. And yeah. I, I put out that poll last week where which defenseman would you like to see the Flyers acquire this summer? And you know the winner of that poll was Seth Jones at forty seven and a half percent, Dougie Hamilton at thirty four point four. Ellis at 15% and David Savard, who's playing right now for the Tampa Bay Lightning, at 3%. And, you know, a lot of what's going to go forward for Provorovs could be decided on that poll right there. You know, whether it's the Seth Jones that they're able to acquire via trade or Dougie Hamilton. It's not going to look, it doesn't look like Carolina maybe has the, the cap space or the appetite to give him what he's going to want. He'd have to give him a really big discount. And I don't know that guys are going to do that. And there's a lot up in the air there with Rod Brindamore as well. So, Perhaps he is going to hit the free agent market. I'm sure the Flyers would be in that mix as well. So a lot of that for Provorov going forward will be uh, dependent upon that. But let's look at right now, uh, I'll look at him as the Flyers' second-best defenseman, and that would be Travis Sanheim. Now, in 55 games, Bill, three goals, 12 assists, 15 points. He was a minus 22, 21-53 in ice time on the season. He and Myers the year prior really hit a stride together and covered the 200 by 85 tremendously well. Didn't look as good in the playoffs in the two rounds against Montreal and then the Islanders. And then this season, um, the wheels really fell off at points. And, and Phil had a tough year, healthy scratched a few times. But we're talking about Sanheim right now. How would you kind of grade him out and kind of look at his season that just happened? Yeah, I mean, it was it was extremely inconsistent. You know, there there were games and times where I thought Travis played at a really high level. Even, even a couple of the games where he had an ugly plus minus for the night. You know, that's just going to happen sometimes. Um, I, I thought Travis had a really good year in terms of jumping up in the play, uh, in terms of making decisions as to when to join the attack. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't say that based on, on the plus minus and the number of, uh, you know, two-on-ones and whatnot the Flyers gave up this year. But I thought Travis had a pretty good year in that regard. Um, you know, I, I, have, I have confidence that when he jumps up in the play, he's going to make positive things happen. Um you know, I, I've often thought that, particularly based on his 
pre-NHL, both in junior hockey and the AHL resume, he's the guy who could at least be a PP2 guy. Really, really under the current regime, he really has barely played on the power play, so I don't worry so much about the points with him. Um, you know, I, I think over an 82-game season, if he does get some power play time, I mean, he's flirted with 10 goals a couple times in the NHL. You know, he could be a, a 35, even a 40-point guy if he gets sufficient time there. You know, with, with Travis, it, it's things such as uh, physical play along the walls. You know, he will he will lose physical battles. You know, I mean, he's um, you don't have to put guys through the boards to be effective, but I, I'd like to see Travis be a little more physical. I'd like to see him, uh, you know, a, a lot of his gap management. Sometimes it's really good, really, really tight, stick on puck. And other times I, I think the gaps are too wide. And he fall. It, it seems to me that when Travis loses a little bit of confidence, he sags back in the defensive zone and that exacerbates his problems because then he gets in trouble. Um, if you, you allow too much of a gap, I don't care how big or how mobile you are, you know, uh, there's a lot of talented guys in the league who are going to beat you. You, know, you can't you give up that much him, ice. Give them the, yeah, if you give them, give them the ice to make plays. And uh, with Travis, it was just you didn't you didn't know what you were going to get, you know, game to game. And sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, one of the biggest tests of the maturity level of a defenseman is that, okay, a turnover has happened or, you know, you, uh, you get beaten on a coverage. How do you bounce back from it? And for Travis, a lot of times this year, one breakdown became two, and then and two became a, a tough period or a tough game. And um, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of focus or a lot of reliance was put on Travis taking that next step from where he he looked to be for I think the majority of last season. I, I think he took a step backwards this year. Uh, I'll, I'll guess I'll back up. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how far, but I'll I'll, I'll just summarize all that. We'll patch that in. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I think on the whole, Travis took a, a step backwards this past season. Um, you know, there were there were things I, I thought like season before uh, his gap management was a lot better. This year, there's a lot of times where Travis was, was sagging back and giving up ice to uh, attackers. And if you do that in the NHL, no matter how big or how mobile you are, you're, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Um, you know, I'd like to see Travis be uh better stick on puck i want to see him better in in battles along the walls at least more consistent um you know and i think that sometimes too the, the recoveries if something goes wrong um sometimes you can break up a play with with your size and reach or if something doesn't you know even if you give up a goal in that shift how do you play in the next shift how, after a after a tough game how do you respond the game after that and i think that you know there were times travis responded the way you'd want to see but i think on the whole he didn't take the step forward that there was a lot of reliance at him doing this year. So, you know, I, I think it was a kind of a tough year for Travis. He, you know, he, a lot of his partners other than Braun, I, I thought that he and Braun were actually a, a good pairing for, you know, for a, a number of weeks during the season. But, you know, when he, when he was with Phil Myers, for whatever reason, that didn't seem to click this year. So, you know, I, I would give, I would probably give Travis a, C minus D plus. Yeah, that's exactly where I am on him too. And he's going to be one of those guys going forward that you're going to need to get the wheels back going in the right direction. Uh, Billy's an RFA. Uh, how does this uh, contract play out in a very unique circumstance of a very a down year and uh, still the flat cat? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess the, it's fortunate in that he's not an imminent 
unrestricted free agent. I, I think it's, uh, you know, they signed him. I mean, Travis kind of bet on himself with the uh, bridge deal that he's on. I, I can't see him getting a big raise. I, I, maybe it's a maybe it's a one year deal for similar money, and he's a he's eligible for arbitration again in a year. You know, that that might be the way that it goes. It's not impossible, although I don't think the, the Flyers certainly are not going to give him away. It, it it's not impossible that it, it's part of the right deal that Sanheim might be available. I think. I think the Flyers prefer to keep him and keep him part of their top three or top four. But uh, sometimes you have to give to get, and that's that's not out of the realm of possibilities, as I say. Yeah, he's going to be the guy if you're going into a deal with for Seth Jones that they're going to ask for him. You, you may try and steer him to Phil Myers over no. Sanheim, but uh, you know Yarmo Kekalainen, the, the GM of Columbus, is no fool, and neither is John Davidson, and, and they're going to they're going to prefer to have Sanheim in that exchange. Uh, to a guy uh, like Phil Myers. You know, the other thing, too, and I was talking to a guy the other day. I said, I just have this vibe, and this is pure speculation, pure speculation. I have no information here. But there's going to be a deal that happens, something that happens this summer with the Flyers uh, and some player that we're going to go, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't. We have we kind of have our ideas of who's available, who would be available, who they prefer, who they wouldn't prefer to varying degrees. But there's going to be one where we're just going to go. Holy cow! I did not see that that being that happening. That's, yeah, and I, I don't know why I feel that. <laughs> may, I, I mean, I think that that certainly is possible. I think you have to go back to. I think the last time the Flyers traded somebody, where I just didn't think that guy was getting moved that offseason, was uh, Braden Shen to St. Louis for the two first round picks. I mean, I don't think anybody had Shen as you know as a, a trading block guy that offseason. It uh, you know sometimes those are the ones that, that you know. That uh, end up surprising you, you know, you uh, the guy who you're not figuring on on the block. I mean, if you know, I so I, I think there's a number of candidates like that. I, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I, I mean, a guy like Travis Konecki. Do I expect him to be moved? No, but is it possible? It's possible. Yep, and Farabee's another one too. Like you look yep. at him and go, I mean, he's a young player. He's not making a ton of dough in a flat cap world. Twenty goals in a sh- very shortened season, and you look at it and go, well, he is a winger. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not a center. He's not a top pairing, right shot, right D. So, you know, you can't be, you know, too crazy about it. All right, let's go to Phil Myers. Uh, 44 games played, a goal and 10 assists, uh, 11 points on the year, minus 10, 1852. Saw the pseudo press box as a healthy scratch on more more than occasions than he would have liked, obviously, and also dealt with some injuries as well, Bill. Uh, it was not a great year for Phil, who had a very good, has been on a good developmental curve, but really hit a kind of a, uh, a brick wall this season, you know, the, the grade for, for Phil's not going to be good for me. I imagine it's not going to be great from you. No. Um, you know, Phil, you know, you, you have to be, you have to be careful to not overreact based on one season. I mean, I, I'll, you know, I will tell you the truth that there were times this season where I would see Phil make the same mistake. I've seen him make three times in the last few weeks you know, and, and you start wondering, like, does this guy, does this guy have the hockey sense to, to be given the inside of the ice? Yeah. It, it's uh, on the boards in the neutral zone. It, it's, uh, you yep. know, I, I'd be lying if I would say I, I have no concerns about Phil going forward because I think the league kind of identified his weaknesses in free scouts. And I don't think Phil adapted particularly well. Um, you know, his athleticism is without question. I mean, he's a big, strong, right shot defenseman. You don't just give up on a player like that. But he really did not play very well this year. He didn't play well, I think, on, on either side of the puck. Now, there were times where I thought that 
okay. He seemed to be putting it together a little bit. He would make, yeah. you know, make some really, really nice plays. Um, you know, there are times where I just don't think he's, he's assertive enough. And other times I think he takes too many risks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, so a lot of it comes down to a lot of the decision-making stuff. He doesn't think um, the game well. He, yeah. And that, that, that's very, you know, you really can't teach that. Like, yeah. You know, how much, how much of that, how much of that was just the product of a, a tough season and all the, you know, all the difficulties off the ice bouncing back from an injury. Uh, he got, you know, he got hurt fairly early in the season. You know, was he a hundred percent when he came back? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I said, I don't, I don't want to overreact to the season, but I think you, you just look at his body of work this season. I mean, I, I can't give him more than more than a D and that's, that's barely that. I was really not happy with the season. Yeah, me either. Um, you know, one of the things is one of the reasons why he wasn't drafted because of the way he thinks the game. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, at that time, he wasn't seeing a, a whole lot of ice time, you know, and developed physically at that point. too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he hadn't he had not really blossomed. It was that year after he was drafted that he really became like a physical monster. You know, yeah. um, it was really yeah, the year. I mean, he started getting more ice time and, you know, then he's uh, then he's in the World Junior Championships and and. Uh, you know, and, and Bob McKenzie saying, well, he could be a year away from the NHL and he could be a top pairing defenseman. And he did play in Canada's top pairing of the world juniors. And then all of a sudden, you know, and then, then the hype train started and he developed well with the Phantoms and showed promise, you know, with, with the Flyers as well. Even, even this year, it wasn't all bad all the time, but you know, there was just, there were just things that concerned you that you saw, um, you know, he's still not a guy you can rely on to kill penalties, for example. And that, that was, I think the hope was that by now he'd be a, an important part of a, a PK rotation. So, you know, I, I think you you don't totally write the year off. You do file it away. He is a guy that, I mean, I you know, the Flyers wanted to trade him. They could trade him just based upon his, he's still young. You know, he's, he's uh, look at his combination of size, strength, and mobility. Right Those, shot. Yeah, and right plus or plus being a right shot, which is huge. Now, that combination. So, you know, it's um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to go into next year relying on him for the top four, which is a big step back because we talked about, you know, going into the season. Hey, is he ready to play with Provorov? Might he might he be the you know the other half of that top pairing? And uh, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody could realistically look look at this offseason and say, OK, you know, he's the guy for that spot. And if Sanheim is also, you know, in your top four. Then I then I think Myers enters enters next year as your number five or your number six, depending on how the rest of your rotation, you know, falls in. So, you know, I, I I'm not certainly not giving up on Phil, but uh, you know, but I think there's a whole lot of room for improvement based from what we saw this year. Totally agree, and it'll be interesting to see if he if he is here, if he is part of a deal, or if he. Uh, is back with this team, and, and if he can progress his career back to the, the trajectory it was on. Uh, let's go to Justin Braun, because uh, the Wiley veteran, the 34-year-old, played in 53 games. He's never been a point guy uh, at this point in his career, really never in his career. I mean, he had, I guess, a, a mid-20s points and reached the 30-point point uh, plateau one year, but that yeah. was San Jose. But this year, one goal, five assists, six points. We don't worry about that. He was a flat even when it came to plus-minus, moved up and down a bit as well. Um, to me, this is the guy that uh, I'm going to give a pretty favorable grade to because I don't grade these guys, Bill, on somebody else's skill set. I, gr- I grade them on their own and the situation. And I thought that 
all things considered, Justin Braun being asked to do some of the things he was asked to do um, did more than I think we could have expected. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Again, um, you know, he uh, he had to play more and tougher minutes than the Flyers ideally wanted him to when they resigned him last offseason at, at a discount. Um, you know, I, I thought he had, a you know, the first few weeks of the season were a little bit rough. And then when he came back from his bout with COVID, I thought he was really, really good till I till he ran out of gas a little bit near the end. You know, near the end of the season, I, I thought that uh, schedule you know, got him. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the schedule got him near the end. But I think I think for the most part, and I thought he was I thought he was Travis Sanheim's best partner this year. Yeah. He just you know, I you know he he was not the problem with the penalty kill. He's still really good stick on puck. You know, he's uh, he he brings a little bit of the leadership element that the you know they they lost with Matt Niskanen. You know, uh, of all the guys in the room, if you want the if you want the guy who really has his finger on the pulse and will tell you honestly what's going on, you know, Justin is that guy. Um, and he's just he's just a very smart, very savvy hockey player. You know, like uh, like so many other role players in the NHL, that he's the guy who in college hockey was a scorer, was a power play guy. He realized that wasn't going to be his role in the pros, so he threw himself wholeheartedly into being a shot blocker, a penalty killer, or you know. A, uh, a shutdown defenseman. He was a really good one for a long time in San Jose. And I think, you know, I think for the most part, even even his first year with the Flyers, again, it was a tough start. But then I think he settled in well as it went along. And I, I think they got a lot of value out of Justin Braun this year relative to what the expectations were going in, relative to the, the you know, the salary cap discount they got on him. Uh, I'm comfortable with him one more year in the starting six. Although, again, I... I Ideally, would like to have him in the third pair at this point in his career. Third pair penalty kill. If you have to extend him for a while, you can. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think relative to expectation, I thought he was solid. B, B minus. I thought he was fine. Yep, totally agree with that. Um, you know, I said nobody would get above a C, but I actually gave it. I, I went B minus for him, and you know, I'm, I'm happy with that decision. UMass Amherst is, or did he go to UMass? Where did he go? I know he played in the Hockey East. UMass Amherst, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, came in that I think played in the USHL and then went to college and then you know eventually made his way was a, a late round pick uh, for the San Jose Sharks and had a good career there. And now here with the Flyers, uh, really not a lot of other guys to go to here, Bill. But we will go to Robert Haig. That'll probably be our final one. I guess we'll touch on Sam Moran. But uh, Robert Haig played in thirty four games, two goals, three assists, five points, a minus three on the season. Dealt with some injury this year. Uh, did Hager and. He's got it signed a contract before the season, got extended. Uh, how do you kind of grade out his year? I mean, the injury certainly didn't help him, and you know, in and out of the lineup uh, with not a lot of consistency doesn't really get, allow you to get into a rhythm as well. And they seem to bring him in when they knew they needed that physical presence, and he can provide that. He's a heavy hitter. Uh, Would you grade out of his season? Yeah, you know what, what I look for for Hag is to to make the simple play. Um, you know, uh, that's that's another guy, right? He was a he was a candidate to be a, a power play guy coming into the pros and it just wasn't working for him. So he, you know, the other guy who had to simplify his game. Um, you know, he's never going to be, he's never going to be an analytics darling. Uh, he doesn't have to be, you know, I, I, you don't want him handling the puck a ton anyway. What you really look for him is does he uh, win battles on the walls? Does he, you know, does he supply a physical presence without getting himself out of position? And, um, you know, is he is he boxing out guys in front so that your goalie can see the puck and forwards, you know, uh, can get the pucks. So 
you know, I, I thought he did it more consistently and better in, in uh, 2019, 20 than he did it this year. Injuries were a piece of it in and out of the lineup. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that a year ago he earned his way where he was starting every game this year. I think he played his way out of the lineup on merit at times. Sometimes it was matchups, but I think it was, you know, a little bit on merit and he never really hit that level of what you're looking for from him. I don't think he was as consistent really in any area of what he's, you know, of what his competencies are supposed to be, you know, as, as he was before. Now, some of them, you know, some of it is, uh, that's just, it was, it was just, it was, <laughs> I guess a tough year for everybody, but I, you know, I, I thought, I thought Hag had a very average year, um, you know, I don't think he I don't think he made a ton of impact in more than a, a few games just in terms of what he brought physically in terms of helping the goalie out, you know, those those kind of things. So, you know, he wasn't he wasn't horrific, but I think he was a you know, another guy in that uh you know, C minus D range. Yeah, it's kinda of where I have him too. Look at it, I go, you know, curved uh to expectation. Yeah. Considering everything with the injury and the in and out of the lineup, uh, that's about where I'll go. And I probably being a little generous, but it is what it is. Uh, Sam Moran played more games this year, Bill, than he did in his prior. Well, he was drafted back in two thir- uh, 2013 in the first round by the Flyers, 11th overall. Uh, prior to this season, he'd only played nine NHL games. This year, he got in 20. He got initially in as a winger, uh, but he went back to his uh, position of defense, and he seemed to like that. And. Uh, in 20 games, got his first NHL goal, maybe one of the high points of the season when he picks up that goal against the Rangers. Uh, he ends up a minus seven, minus seven on the season, 37 penalty minutes. Was a physical presence at point, but never got a lot of ice time. Average 10 minutes and 12 seconds on the ice per game. Uh, you know, Sam's a guy that I don't know that there's a future here for him. I just don't, but um, I don't even know how to grade him, to be honest with you. I really don't. Yeah, I, I think that given that he really missed – most of three seasons, you know, and uh, started the year as a winger, really didn't get into a lot of games. Plus, you know, when, when Sam would sit, I mean, some of it was performance, but some of it also was that, you know, and it, it's normal when players have ACL injuries, you know, even when they come back the next year, he needed maintenance days because he would have swelling in his knee. Um, I know we missed a couple games with the Phantoms for that reason. So, you know, he's still kind of, feeling his way and getting back to where he was. Uh, I will say that I thought there were a, a stretch of games over a couple of weeks where he was paired with Shane Goss's pair where I thought they were good third pairing. Actually. I thought that they have a little bit of chemistry together. Um, didn't really maintain it. You know, Sam, uh, Sam can be a, you know, Sam, some of Sam's decision-making issues that he's always had, or they're still there. And, you know, he's, uh, I, you know, I, I know this is brought up by some people that aren't big Sam Moran fans, uh, that the Flyers only scored two goals when he was on the ice, um, you know, uh, on defense, and one of, one of which was his own goal. But uh, I, I don't know how much I put into that in, you know, in limited, relatively limited ice time. You know, for Sam to have a role, he has to, you know, play physically. He did that. You know, he will, you know, he will compete against anybody you know could he be your sixth or your seventh defenseman and then you know in the right situation yeah he could and you know does he have a future here i don't know um you know i i probably if if they were planning on bringing him back 
Um, when he was healthy, I think we would have seen him a little bit more late in the season. Yeah. Just to just to give him a little extended look, see that he really wasn't in the lineup very much late in the year. So it wouldn't surprise me if he moves on. I I can't grade him. I would grade him more of as more of as an incomplete. But I'm you know, yeah. but I, I'm sure as heck pulling for him because he's, he's such a likable guy. And you know, I mean, it's really it's really impossible to not root for him. Yeah, the, the usage of Cam York and Igor Zamula at the end. And not Sam was telling to me. Yeah. Um, Shane Gossberry just mentioned him. 41 games this season, nine goals, 11 assists, 20 points. Extrapolate that over 82. He would have had a 40 point season, 18 goals, and uh, 22 assists if it was uh, true to form. 19 minutes and 56 minutes of ice time this year. Um, Shane had some pretty, pretty big highs, but a lot of lows and healthy scratches, and even was put on and cleared waivers. How do you grade Ghost season? Very, very hard to grade Ghost season, you know. It's like a um, bipolar season, you know what I mean? Yeah, it really, it really was a bipolar season. You know, when, he, when first of all, he started the season on the COVID list. That's uh, certainly not the way anybody wanted to go into a season. You know, when he when he first came in, when he first came back, um, I thought he was actually playing, you know, relative to what you how you expect him. I thought he was playing actually okay defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, he was actually playing on the top pairing with uh, Ivan Provorov, and they, you know, they they had they had some success together early on. But the thing with Shane is, of course, you're looking first and foremost for points, uh, but, but with enough defense so that he, he's not hurting you. And at first, he wasn't producing any offense. I mean, he, yeah. the points were very hard to come by early on for him. And then it kind of turned where the offense started coming on, but his defensive game went way south for a period of time. Um, actually, during during that early stretch in March, there were a whole lot of there were a whole lot of rough games and rough shifts where. Pucks are ending up in the Flyers' net, and uh, you know Shane was at least partially culpable on a fair number of those. That's where he ended up, you know, being scratched for a time, maybe maybe a longer time than I you know I would have liked to have seen. But you know he'd played his way to play out of the lineup on merit, and then you know they go through the waivers and um, clears, and then he you know he really had a burr under his saddles there for you know for most of the rest of the season, wanting to not just show the flyers but show the league i thought that he had a a really good stretch i thought for a time and you know after after the waiver period when he cleared so you know but but like you said the highs were really high the lows are really low you know i i mean you could you, you can't go too high on the grade i mean the guy ended up on waivers unclaimed and would not without you know not totally without merit but the same token you know he did provide the number one thing you need the offensive game came back around you know uh, five power uh, play goals so yeah and the, the power play side of it because that had, that had largely i mean he had played himself off of the top power play unit it wasn't just like yeah which happened he had two years there where he just couldn't seem to put a puck on the net he kept shooting his shooting was all over the place how many pucks rimmed out of the zone because he you know fire one time or way wide of the net would go around the boards and out so yeah. you know this year this year that came back um you know, a lot of the, the uh, lateral mobility where he's saving pucks at the blue line came back. But, I mean, you know. a hell of a shortstop, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he sure would be. I mean, he has a really good range moving laterally, you know. And that, that yeah. really came back, saving a lot of pucks from going out of the zone. Um, you know, he's uh, he, to me, he's always been a pretty good neutral zone defender, stick on puck. It's once the puck enters your zone. That, yeah. that he's in trouble and he still is in trouble when the puck's in in the flyer zone and does he produce enough offense to make up for it 
at times he does, at, at times he doesn't. So, I mean, in terms of a grade for the season, you know, I, uh, I guess, I guess that's D minus kind of range, but you know, but you could break down certain segments of the year where he might be a B plus a minus guy for a stretch of, you know, five games here, six games there. But then there were other stretches too, where it would be hard to give him more than a, more than a D generously. So it's, uh, you know, so I, that that's where I'd end up. Yeah, with with him post being waived, just that clump of the schedule, I would give him a, a solid B on that. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, it was so erratic. It was it was crazy how erratic it was. And uh, is he a guy that's back here, or could you? See, that that seems like a real possibility to be part of any kind of package to acquire a right shot right, top deep uh, yeah, I, I, or I other help he, on the roster. Yeah, I think he he'd be a guy who'd be expected to move on. Might be a yeah. guy who would be of interest, you know, to Seattle in the expansion draft. Um, although sure. although teams passed on him, you know, for waiver purposes, a lot of that had to do with that he saw his, uh, you know, more. It wasn't like he was an impending unrestricted free agent, so teams had to also figure their in for their cap for next year. And we're, a lot of teams were, were so deep in on cap at that point, you know, so little space, so that that was part of the calculation as to why he clear. Uh, I think there would be teams that would have interest this offseason. I think the odds are more likely than not that he's not back. Um, if he is back, it's because there are significant changes otherwise to the group. And so, so there's one correctly. And so there's right. There'd be a, a spot for him, you know, as a as a third pair PP one guy, which I think is a sweet spot anyway. Totally agree. I absolutely agree. I, I don't expect him to be back. Um I don't know, maybe uh, you, you trade him to Florida for Barkoff. <laughs> you know, maybe. Uh, I mean that's home, right? Yeah. Um, I don't. I guess we don't need to do Mark Friedman either. No, Ghost got suspended for hitting Friedman, and every time Friedman played against the Flyers as a Penguin, which was the only other times he played in the NHL this season, yes. um, I guess the only storyline would be there. Is why do they hate him so much? <laughs> but anyway, uh, we'll move on past that. I, I think we all know. Um, you and I have talked about it offline. Uh, Cam York and Igor Zamula both got uh, their NHL debuts this season. Zamula got in two games, um, was held pointless. Uh, same, same with York, but played three. I thought they both looked good, cons- all things considered. I mean, stepping into this team with what's happened this past season is no bargain. Um, in particular, you know, Igor's a guy that needs, still needs to put a little bit more meat on the frame, Bill. Um, but Cam York, uh, you know, after the World Juniors experience, which was I'm still wowed by with what Team USA did against the Canada in that final, and then the season he had at Michigan as well, and the muscle that he's put on his frame. Boy, this kid works, right? And he just looks so calm for the Flyers when he played for the Flyers. You know, I don't want to grade these guys, but what are they on the roster next year? Uh, I think York is certainly on the roster next year. Um, yeah, I, you know, I at thought other than, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he'll start out in the rotation. Uh, as certainly if Shane Gossis bear is gone, that, that increases the chances too. Um, you know, I, I, as you said, I mean, he's very poised, you know, he, uh, you know, he's another guy who he's going to always be a, a little bit of a disadvantage at certain matchups, but he, he competes. He, you know, sure gets, gets up and down the ice really well. Um, good stick on puck guy. I mean, that, that's a big thing. You know, he, uh, you know, he, he's a really good, solid prospect. I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think in Zamula's case, he'll more likely than not start back with the Phantoms again, but may see him come up at some some juncture of the season. There, there are going to be injuries. There are going to be, you know, various maybe things. Too. Season, slumps. Yeah. And if he and if he plays well enough for the Phantoms, maybe he comes up with just on merit. 
So I, you know, I think he's a guy who's an NHL future, but I think he has a lot of work ahead of him. And I, I think York has some work ahead of him in terms of being an NHL really an impact guy. But you know, just based on his games with the Phantoms, particularly after his first game where he was just feeling his way a little bit and hadn't really skated or practiced very much, um, he looked too good for the American Hockey already. So. You know, I, I think I think he's the guy who'd benefit from being in the NHL, and you see how you see how he develops. You just you just manage the expectations. To me, Bill, that's those two guys are going to be names that in any trade package, if there's movement this summer, that an opposing GM is going to bring up. <laughs> they are, yeah. you know, both of those guys. You know, you, you look at Cam; he's a first first round draft pick. Uh, he's he's well celebrated at this point. He's got a couple games under his belt. They're going to ask about him. And you're going to be put to a test. Chuck's going to be put to a test with those guys, isn't he? Oh yeah, no, no question. And as you said, they're they're going to ask. You know, yeah, here no uh, you can you know you can try to steer it towards uh, towards your 2021 first round pick, <laughs> as opposed you know. But uh, there's yeah, you know, we we won York, and then you do have a decision to make. It really, to me, it comes down to what else is the composition of the the trade package. You know, there there gets there gets to be a point, and I know everybody, you know, myself included, wants to see that improvement in the, in the NHL, you know, the NHL group. But there does get to a point where it gets to be too expensive of a trade. So yeah, there's a tipping it, point for everything. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, yeah, less less so with Zamula than than with York. Um, you know, I, I could see Zamula, you being pretty flexible in terms of the types of packages you might put Zamula into. Particularly because he's, you know, he's also an undrafted guy, and you know has a has a ton of physical potential. But I mean, he's still he's still pretty raw in a lot of ways, and you know wasn't your first round pick. So, you know, I I mean, I I could see that York I York I could see it, but again, that really depends on on what else is included, and are you getting a guy who's going to be here for an extended period of time? He's I certainly cannot see him in any kind of a deal. That's for a, a short-term one or two-year situation. No, he's not. He can't be involved in anything that's a band-aid. It's got to be a lock-stock type thing. And I mean, maybe there's some sort of deal out there that if they are involved with Seth Jones, that's been pretty widely reported uh, that they're going to be interested and be in that mix. Uh, if they were going to go and grab a Seth Jones, and they also wanted to grab a Corpusalo and maybe another piece from Columbus, and you got this big blockbuster, multiple players and picks from one side going for multiple players for the now, right? I, I could see maybe something like that. But, uh, you know, I don't know I don't know what those deals even look like right now. I really don't. I, I don't know how all that shakes out in this flat cap world that we're in, although we're starting to get some financial certainty back in the game, which I'm sure, you know, the general managers are very happy about, but we still don't know when the cap's going to start escalating again. That's the other part of the equation because of all the money owed by the Players Association. Yeah, well, it's gonna be I, interesting. I'm for sure, and and I think things will, there'll be a little bit of clarity with the uh, expansion draft, and then yeah. uh, you know, and then I think you might see other trades pick up. But I I think things are gonna be quiet until that point because they want to see what they can do, you know, in Seattle or or ancillary moves too, you know, maybe Seattle flips a player to you and you're flipping something back to them. That's not, you know, that's not specific to who you're losing in the expansion draft. So it's um. You know, there, there are a whole lot of possibilities that are out there. I mean, it's going to be fascinating. And really, you know, we can all, as you said, we can all predict these names, but they're, they're bound to be surprises, no question, whether it's, you know, Flyers or other teams. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, 
fascinating offseason. None of it will actually kick off until after the expansion draft, though, and even free agents that have are dead set on re-signing with the team they're with, they're not going to do that until after that expansion draft either. Don't be surprised if Taylor Hall goes back to Boston. We know he's going to go back to the uh, to the Cavs, but he's not going to sign that deal before expansion, eat up a spot that they got to protect. <laughs> well, that's a lot of, a lot of game going on like that's been going on with uh the Tampa Bay Lightning and the LTIR this year but that's gonna put a wrap on it great stuff Bill this was awesome as always uh we'll take care of the forward group next week and boy that's start start digging in Bill because that's gonna be a fascinating discussion next Monday for sure so, oh yeah we'll there's get- uh yeah, yeah. Who, who's gonna bounce back who's gonna be here I mean we have we have all kinds of ways we can take it and we will Yeah, and it'll be a lot of fun. We'll do that on next Monday's episode. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll bring you another brand new one coming up on Wednesday. In the meantime, have a great Monday. Have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you Wednesday on the next Flyers Daily.